I remember asking Jamie um, and she was very like certain and calm. When I said, Jamie, am I, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have to transfer. Am I going to have to transfer? And she said, no, we're going to do these contractions this many on each side. We're going to get back in the pool and we're going to have a baby. Like mm. this is the way it's going to be. And it was so reassuring to me to be, to have her like, just calm and steady. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What has more of an impact? The exact details of your labor or the way you feel you were treated throughout? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 152 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Caitlin Bolt, a mother whose births were both difficult, yet she was left feeling quite differently about herself and her experience based on her care providers and support. Now, before we jump in, I want to let you know that I'll be taking a little winter break from releasing episodes. This will be the last episode I release in 2021, as I plan to take some time off in December and January to focus on some other aspects of Happy Home Birth. So in the meantime, be sure to head on back through and listen to some old favorites while you wait. And I want to welcome all of the incredible new students into Happy Home Birth Academy who joined last week. It is so exciting to see you all taking responsibility for your birthing experiences, and I can't wait to walk alongside you in your journey. If you are looking to prepare thoroughly and specifically for your home birth, then be sure to join Happy Home Birth Academy today, the premier childbirth education program designed specifically for the home birth mother. With a full home birth video library, nine intensive modules to prepare everything from your mind to your techniques to your partner, you'll see that no stone has been left unturned inside of HHA. Go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash happy dash homebirth dash academy or click on the link in the show notes to gain access today. I'd also love to take a moment to thank our reviewer of the week, Caitlin VB, who writes, the best ever. I started listening to this after I found you on Instagram. I've never been pregnant, but I have always been interested in natural birth and home birth. This is such a good tool for new moms, moms that want something different, or even women that aren't expecting yet, but hope to start a family in the near future. That's me. As my older sister said, knowledge is power. You can't learn enough about what your body is capable of doing and how it naturally knows what to do and when to do it. Caitlin, I love this podcast and what you're doing to try to help turn birth back to what it used to be. It is my first thing I look forward to listening to and makes Mondays awesome. I will forever be listening and hopefully someday soon can put the knowledge to use. Thank you. Thank you so much, Caitlin VB. If you would send me an email at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a Happy Home Birth Podcast sticker. Okay, let's get started. Let's go on and jump into the interview. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and the show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. 
Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Would you take a minute to just introduce yourself and your family to the listeners? Sure. Um, so my name is Caitlin. I'm a pediatric physical therapist. Um, and my husband and I have been married for seven years now. He's a teacher and we have two little ones. We have uh, my daughter, Lila, who's two, and our son, Judah, who is a month old today. Oh, <laughs> happy one month. He's sleeping away on my chest as we talk. Oh, that's the best. Oh, I just love that sack of potatoes time when they're just <laughs> so tiny and snuggly. That's he so just wants to stay attached all the time, which is oh, fine with me. Yep. Don't blame him. Well, I am super excited to hear both of your stories with, with your two children. So let's start from the beginning. What was your becoming pregnant with your first, what was that journey like for you? And, and what was the pregnancy like? Um, so my husband and I had been wanting to have a baby, but I was actually still finishing up my grad school. Um, so we weren't necessarily preventing, but we weren't really trying. It was just something in my heart that I had wanted. Um, but we got pregnant with my daughter and I knew I wanted a natural birth. Um, I've always known I wanted a natural birth. My mom had two C-sections and I just knew that wasn't the way I wanted to go, but I didn't really know a lot about, um, home birth or, anything like that. I'd had a little bit of an introduction to midwifery care in undergrad. Um, they had a midwife come and speak actually at one of, in one of my courses. Um, and so I, between that and another patient of mine knew of a midwife practice that worked out of a local hospital. Um, so between those two things, I just kind of went that direction. I don't think I really interviewed anybody or looked in any other way. Um, but I went to this practice of midwives. I think they have like six, maybe six midwives that practice in, in the hospital setting. And we just kind of started, started there. Ah, very cool. Okay. So, and, and what, what was that like? Um, it, it was really a nice change from like your OBGYN care. Um, you know, I'd had just a regular OB um, OB guide just for physicals and stuff. And I didn't love her. She was the one who delivered me. And I just, we just didn't jive well together. Mm -hmm. Um, so this was nice. Cause they, they listened a little longer and, um, they actually have a program called centering. And so everybody that they, you don't have to, but anybody that wants to participate, um, that is pregnant within the same month, all meet together for their prenatals. Um, and it's like a three hour long, they cover like a topic. So it's sort of like a childbirth class and your prenatals. And then you get like 15 minutes or so separate with the midwife to do all your checks and answer any questions. Um, and so that was a nice like way to get a lot of them are first time moms, not all of them, but it was a nice way to get some community um, and, and meet the midwives and things. Um, and so we kind of went along that route. Um, that pregnancy was pretty, pretty smooth. I mean, I was really active. I was just finishing up clinical rotations. So even my job was, was very active. Um, so I had some, 
you know, typical morning sickness with her, but nothing extreme. And um, then that summer I took my boards and I just kind of waited to have her. I, I got a job lined up for after I had her, but um, it was really relaxed. Um, it was, I, I didn't have a lot going on. Once I took my boards, I really just got to kind of take trips and kind of hang out and take care of myself. And so uh, I, I was really active. I played competitive tennis until like seven months pregnant in the middle of summer in Texas. So Ooh. I was really active with her um but it was it was good it was a good pregnancy and and a good I, I liked my prenatal care yeah I, I love that idea of the centering um that there was a I, I guess they still do it even though there used to be a birth center in my area that was like a hospital-based birth center and they did centering mm-hmm. care um but now that birth center is gone but I think I think the midwives still do that but I do really like that idea of being able to to kind of create a community around um, in your area with people that are, you know, seeking the same kind of care and maybe have similar uh, like beliefs and uh, plans for their birth. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was really, it was a really nice thing to have. And um, you just got all your questions answered. And I still did do um, a birth class on, on top of that. But it was just a nice way to like, I'm not, I'm not super outgoing. So it was a nice way to get to know other people. And none of my friends had kids. And so it, it was a really good program. Hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, that was in a world before COVID. So I don't know what happened since then, um, if that's something that can keep going or not. Right. Yes. Those pre-COVID days. Um, so, okay. So you, you did this care with your, with these midwives um, and then what was it like when you were leading up to labor? Um, so my mom went into labor with me and my brother at 38 weeks. And so she had always told me, you're going to go at 38 weeks. I'm just telling you. And I kept telling her, no, typical first time moms are 41 and one. Like I'm going to be <laughs> late, mom. I'm just telling you, I'm going to be late. And, um, so right at 38 weeks, I think it was 38 weeks on the dot. I was getting up my husband and I, the night before we had gone out to like our favorite Mexican restaurant, we'd gone for a walk down the river and gone and gotten a snow cone. Like we'd had a really nice night. He went to bed and I just had this like burst of energy. And I felt like I had to completely reorganize the nursery. So I was up till past midnight reorganizing all of the clothes because that was something that I had to do for whatever reason. And so I woke up the next morning, my mom and I were going to go to like a kid's resale event in the area. And I was walking down the hallway to let the dogs out and felt the pop and gosh, <laughs> I knew something. I was like, okay, either my water broke or she just kicked me so hard that I peed myself. And I don't know what, I don't know which one it was. So I went into the bathroom and it was like pink tinged and, uh, I'm a very like type a planning kind of person. So my adrenaline was kind of running because this was just not what I had thought was going to happen. So I called our midwives and she said, yeah, it sounds like your water broke. Why don't you go about your day and come in sometime? Let me swab and make sure that that's what it was. And if labor doesn't start by late this evening, then we'll need to talk about our options. And um, 
I text our doula. I had been really on the fence about getting a doula. Um, and I think it was fairly late into our pregnancy, or maybe halfway through, um, that I contacted her, interviewed her, really liked her. Um, so I, I text her and she called me right away and she said, okay, I can hear you're a little anxious, like take some breaths. It's all okay. Like just let go and relax and have your day like you were planning and just keep me informed on what's going on. Um, so once I kind of got my feet back under me, I, my mom and dad came home from breakfast. We were living with them at the time. Um, I didn't mention that they had let us stay with them while I was going through my graduate program so that we could save up for a house. Um, so they came home and I walked out and I said, well, we can still go, but we're going to have to go to the hospital too, because I'm pretty sure my water broke. Um, so we like went about our day and I didn't know that when your water breaks, your water keeps breaking, like you, uh. you keep gushing fluid. So we had gotten out to this like sale and I was putting like paper towels in my shorts because I did not understand that, that your water is broken. So you're going to keep gushing fluid. Um, so we finally, I think somebody had like pads or something there and we spent the morning there and went and got lunch and then went and got checked. And, um, the, I went in and they put you in like a labor room and, um, Candace, one of the midwives came in and I, I love her. She's actually one of my favorites. She helped me a lot after the fact, but she came in, she checked, she said, yeah, your water's broken. And then she said, I really hate to see first time moms start this way. It's really the hardest way to start labor. Oh, and I had been nervous about labor anyway. Uh, so <laughs> that was not the most helpful comment. I think she was trying to be sympathetic, but that was like, so not helpful it still sticks with me to this day like, <laughs> well you're just in for the worst way to start <laughs> anyway good luck yeah so she checked me and I was at a one and she's like okay go home hopefully and I, I really wasn't feeling contractions like should they put me on the monitor you could kind of see a little bit but I wasn't really feeling much um and so she said you know go home and then if labor doesn't pick up by like midnight, you're going to need to come in because we don't want your water broken for more than 24 hours without you starting labor. Um, so my mom and I kept going and walking around. My doula was texting me this whole time and she kind of told me, you need to go home. You need to eat. You need to rest. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to finish these last few errands that we wanted to get done. Uh, so we walked around Target, we walked around Walmart, we got all these things. By the time we got home, it was like, I think at Walmart, it was about five o'clock and I was starting to feel mm. contraction. I was starting to feel something and I was like, all right, I'm over this. Let's, let's go home. Um, but by the time I got, we got home and my grandmother came over and cooked uh, spaghetti for us and we ate, but I didn't try to go to bed till like probably eight o'clock. And I had been up past midnight and been walking all day long. And at this point I was starting to have like really feel contractions. Um, my grandmother laid up there with me so that my husband could go shower and get kind of cleaned off from the day and be ready just in case. And so she laid up there and watched TV on the couch and um, 
we up there my is upstairs uh we were in like a little studio um mm. apartment kind of thing above my parents house um but I could not sleep I like I tried I laid there um and my labor pattern was just really funky like I really think it was like they were two minutes apart or something but 20 seconds long like they just so I didn't have any rest um and so my I think by like 11 o'clock we went ahead and called my doula and said okay I, I think we need we need you to come over like they're starting to feel intense and they're really close together so when she heard my labor pattern she had me do like the mile circuit mm-hmm. um while she was on her way over uh, so for people who don't know um i think it's like um i'm trying to remember it's like an exaggerated sideline mm-hmm. child's pose and lunges up and down the stairs um so I had done the child's pose and the sideline on one side by the time she got there. And then we did sideline on the other side and she had me lunge up and down the stairs and my contractions kind of spaced out and lengthened a little bit. Um, and so she labored with us um, at the house and kind of, she just, she just helped us change position and try different things. We tried walking, she put a TENS unit on, we tried sitting backwards on the toilet Um, and about three in the morning, she said, okay, Caitlin, I think if we don't go in, you're not going to have time to get in the water. Cause I had really wanted to labor and birth in the water. Um, and she said, just by the signs, she said, I had a lot of bloody show. She said, I think you're moving along. We need to go in. Um, so we loaded up a caravan of people Mm because originally our plan was my husband, myself, and my doula, but, um, that whole day, my mom had been with me, my grandmother had been with me, so by the time we left, like, that team couldn't change, they all had to come, Uh, so we loaded up a caravan of cars, like, my, I think there was probably three, three or four cars driving down to the hospital, um, at 3 30 in the morning, and, um, had to walk from the like third story of the parking garage all the way in um and up into the hospital building but we got in there and made it and they came in to check me um and I could tell when she checked me that she was not happy like not that she was not wanting to tell me that news um so she checked me and she said okay, Caitlin, you're at a one. <gasps> oh, I, yeah. I just felt like I like distinctly remember that moment feeling like, I don't know if the room was dark, but to me, it felt like the room was dark and everything just shattered because I was, I mean, I felt like I was in hard labor. Like I, I remember that feeling and it felt like my recent labor, like it felt like hard labor. Yeah. And I had been doing that for quite a while and nothing. Yeah. It was just, it was just terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, my son is on my chest and he's a little congested. So if you hear a little oh. baby, snorts, 
so yes, that, that was a really hard pill to swallow. So then they said, well, you know, we're about 20 hours in to your water being broken. We need to do something. Uh. Um, so yeah, so they, uh, Hannah came in the, there was a new midwife on cause they rotate. Um, so it's just whoever's on call. Um, so Hannah came in. I really liked Hannah. She was there for me when I got really sick with a stomach bug. Um, one time when I was, uh, pregnant and she was the midwife who was on call when I ended up having to like call in and make sure that I didn't need to come in and have fluids or something. And she's just really empathetic. So she, she said, okay, we need to do something so we can start with a Foley bulb. If you want to do that, um, that way we're, I guess as little intervention as possible. So that's what we did. Um, she put in a Foley bulb. I've heard some people say that it was so uncomfortable. I don't even remember really feeling it, mm. but it was possible that maybe I was just so tired and in shock that right. I didn't, because I really don't remember it bothering me or feeling like it really hurt. Um, she put that in and it lasted about four hours or so. Um, cause I think by like seven or eight, um, it fell out. Um, we went over to sit on the toilet and it came out. Um, so then they knew I was at a four. Um, but then I kind of stalled there at a four for several hours. Um, and so we kind of tried different positions. We tried the peanut ball. And I think around like 1030, they came back in and checked me. They wanted to check me again. Um, so they checked and I was at a seven, which was like the best thing ever to hear because that meant I could get in the water. Um, so um, they filled up the, the birth tub and I got in the water. Um, and I think I got in around 10, 30 in the morning, um, and labored in the water for a while. And the water was so helpful. Um, I'd been laboring in the shower, actually. I had forgotten about that That's before I had been able to get in the tub. Um, and I'd been on hands and knees in the shower and then we went to the tub and it was just the best thing. Um, and I was in there for quite a while and I started feeling like I needed to push, like, like I couldn't really control it. I, my body was just pushing. And, um, so they heard that and wanted to check me. Um, and I was still at like a seven. So they said, well, we need you to not push. Um, so I, which was not possible. Right. It was, I would have like two contractions where I could breathe through and that third one, it was like, I could not help it. Um, and my body just kind of bared down. And uh, so I was, I started having some swelling on like my anterior cervix and I had um, like a cervical lip right there, I think anterior. Um, and Lila's heart rate had been fine this whole time and it started having some dips in the water. So they said, okay, we're going to have to get out. Mm, um, no. <laughs> yeah. It was terrible to hear. Um, so 
I'm pretty sure I told the midwife I can't and she said well you have to um and I think this was a new midwife at this point um I think Monica was on call at that point I don't have the fondest memories of her and that's probably not fair because I was like stuck in transition the whole time she was on on shift Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think it was more my point in labor right but uh so we got out and went to the peanut ball on the bed and I just that like transition just kind of broke me like my endurance I was like I can't do this anymore I keep they keep having to breathe through these pushing feelings um I don't think they were quite as strong but out of the water but it was still like it it was still every few contractions I would push and couldn't couldn't stop it um so they talked about options and uh they had talked about like IV pain meds and epidural and I they said if you had the IV pain meds and they wore off you could get back in the water um or maybe that had been said it's during one of my centering Mm -hmm. um appointments but I knew that that was an option and I was not thinking clearly so my doula kind of tried to talk to me and tell me like you know, I've seen these, they really haven't worked. And that was something I really hadn't wanted to do. And it's my one like real regret in that labor was going, I went ahead and took the IV pain meds. Mm. Um, And I only regret it because it could have caused some issue with her. Like you're more likely to cause an issue with the baby because they get those because it's going through your blood. Right. Um, So I really wish I had not done that now she was fine but it didn't make a difference like Mm -hmm. it didn't I don't remember feeling a thing change um so I think it was about 2 30 we got out of the pool and by 3 or 3 30 we had had the IV meds and they did nothing Mm -hmm. um and so they went ahead and came in I was still swelling I think I was at like an eight but that lip was really swollen. Mm. Um, so they came back in and they said, okay, we really think an epidural is probably best to um, like avoid that swelling. And I was so out of it. Like I was not in my right mind anymore um, to even like think or talk about what we were, um, like what they were suggesting. Um, so they went ahead and came in and did the epidural and that I don't, I don't feel like that was a mistake. I think that was probably what got me my vaginal birth because I couldn't stop pushing and that swelling was just getting worse. Mm. Um, but so they came in and everybody had to leave the room except my husband and I'm deathly afraid of needles. That was my original reason for wanting a natural birth was cause I didn't want any needles. Right. Um, like from the time I was a kid. And then I did more research and, you know, had more reasons behind it. Um, but I was so out of it and it was, it was like three 30. So we'd been up for close to 30, I guess, 32 hours, 34 hours at this point. Um, and I had slept maybe six hours the night before everything started. So we were just running on fumes. So I don't even remember I don't remember the anesthesiologist really coming in. I remember sitting and holding my husband's hand um, 
and he told me after he's like oh my gosh that was such a big needle they were pushing so hard oh, on oh, your no. back like I guess it made him feel queasy he was like oh my they were two little girls I mean not girls but women um they were like my size very petite women these the anesthesiologist and her nurse and so he's like man she had to push so hard to get that needle in where it needed to go and that was terrible I never want to see that again but (laughs) uh yeah and I'm glad that I didn't have to see it because it didn't it didn't phase me one bit I don't even remember feeling it I was so out of it mm-hmm. and I I feel like I was out of it for a lot of that late once I hit the hospital everything is foggy of for that labor like I had to write everything down and go back and I can read through and like remember but to have a clear timeline or to be able to talk through that labor like I don't remember conversations that they say we've had or like the conversation about the pain meds with my doula I don't remember any of that. Mm. It was just like my mind went to some other place after that really hard moment of, oh, you haven't made any progress. Uh, And it just never came back. But so I slept, I got the epidural and it calmed everything down. Um, And I slept for off and on um, for close to five hours. And I kept waking up and looking over at my doula and saying, she's okay. She's okay, right? She's okay. Because uh, I couldn't feel anything anymore. So it all of a sudden felt like I didn't, couldn't connect to know that she was okay. Um, and Brittany was really reassuring. And she was like, you know, I promise you, you'll know. You'll know if she was not okay. You're on all these monitors. That somebody would know and be in here. Um, And so they came in and checked me at like 8.30 and I was complete. Um, And so they said I could labor down a little more. We could start trying to push. Um, And so I I think uh, right around that time, we decided, okay, we're going to start trying to push. Um, They put me on a little bit of Pitocin because my contractions with the epidural had like spaced out and eased up quite a bit. So they put me on a little bit of Pitocin and I could kind of feel when contractions were coming, but like I doubted myself on like, okay, was that a contraction? I think that was a contraction. And then my doula held one leg and my husband held the other. And it was very typical coach pushing, um, like from the hospital staff but um, my doula would like rub my legs and like tell me where to push. Um, And the midwife was down there. She was there the whole time. And like, they put a mirror down there for me to see. Um, And that, that was really helpful. That was something I didn't think I would have wanted, but um, it was really helpful because you could see progress. So you could see when you were actually pushing correctly. Um, And then about, um maybe an hour or so into pushing I started getting like a really bad pain in my abdomen like a burning pain Mm. and then things started to like feelings started to come back a little bit so I'm not sure if like when I crunched down to push if I like shifted the catheter or if 
Um, I just burned through medication quickly. My midwife that I have had for this last pregnancy, she's, she told me I probably do burn through medication more quickly because I guess redheads and fair skin. Yeah, burn through, like, definitely heard that. Yeah. So she was like, hey, you probably were just like, like burning through that epidural medication a little more quickly. Um, so some of that feeling started to come back and that was helpful despite the fact that it was, you know, that, that weird pain in my side, I think was something with the catheter must've been like pushing on a nerve or something because it was like high in my abdomen and they just kept getting hot packs for me and putting it on there. Um, but we pushed for about three hours. And I remember about halfway through that, I looked up at Summer, the midwife who ended up catching um, and said, like summer, this baby's going to be born today. Right. And <laughs> she said, yeah, she's going to be born today. Like she, don't you worry. She's going to get here. And I felt like through our pushing, like her confidence in that answer started to decrease a little. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but so my daughter was born at 10 59, hmm. um, that evening. So she was born that day. Um, but after like three hours of pushing and when she came out, she had the biggest, I think my, my current midwife called it a cephala hematoma, mm-hmm. um, but it, it looked like a big water blister yeah. um, on the side of her head. So she had been super asynclitic. Right. Um, and I, like my midwife looks at it now and she's like, man, she was like in a really bad position because I showed her pictures because I, she came out and her head was so misshapen. The first thing my husband said to me after I pushed out a baby was, is she going to need a helmet? <laughs> <laughs> we, no. are, we are like, really thinking ahead here. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, she's not going to need a helmet. She's fine. And I mean, in my, I deal with that a lot. Um, at the time I was working for early childhood intervention. So mm. babies is what I do and helmets are not uncommon to me in my like work but it's like no that just happens but I look back at her head now and oh my goodness it was so it was so misshapen oh it was gosh I mean no wonder yeah you know, when you okay. think about your labor pattern when you think about the lip all of it it's like okay well that that checks out <laughs> yeah I mean now it totally makes sense because I think I really was having hard contractions, but Mm -hmm. if her head was pushing into my, my pelvis and not down on my cervix, it wasn't doing anything. Exactly. Um, That is exactly what happened with my first birth as well. It, it was, it was so hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that poor baby, she had little broken blood vessels all Mm -hmm. the way down the back of her head and neck on top of that big old blister. Um, It was just yeah. I mean, she was just so, and I had done all the spinning babies and all the things that I thought I needed to do to try all the inversions to try and get her in a good position. And I don't know, she was just so, so wonky. Mm-hmm. Um, but so she was born, I did need some stitching. I think I had like a grade two, maybe borderline grade three hair. Mm. Um, I've had some pelvic floor PT since then. And that's about what she estimates it was based on the scar tissue. Right. 
but they never actually told me I remember summer was stitching for a long time and mm-hmm. I looked up and I was like summer this seems like a lot of stitches and she said we don't count them and that might be true but to me that just sounded like there's too many I'm not gonna tell you right uh, and I don't know which of those is true she may not count them but but it was a long time um and so so we we had that like first hour at least pretty undisturbed on my chest other than you know they were making sure the placenta was born which her placenta was born very quickly after um and now after I've talked with my midwife she's like well they might have done some things to move that along like they might have given some traction on the cord plus you were on pitocin because I mean it was like she was out and within minutes the placenta was out um like it was very quick and I yeah um but they did do delayed cord clamping and we we did give her like the preservative free vitamin k but we got to like they didn't give us any trouble about choosing not to do the other Mm -hmm. typical newborn interventions um and my family who'd been up at the hospital for 12 plus hours um got to come in even though it was like past midnight by the time we had gotten cleaned up um but they all came in just quickly and said hi and saw the baby and um went on out and our doula stayed and uh helped us like try and get her latched the first time and she took our placenta for us because we were going to have it encapsulated um and then everybody left and we were in that hospital room that labor room for another like three or four hours and wow. there was no place to set her down like there was no bassinet there was nothing and I had just gone through a 39 hour labor plus I had been up for a little while past that like so I'd been up probably close to 40 something hours yeah or more at that point and there was no place to put her and I was this new mom and like terrified of falling asleep and dropping her Mm. and my husband he doesn't do well without sleep yeah so he was like passed out in the chair um which was extremely irritating to me at the time (laughs) because I'm like I am not able to sleep what are you doing sleeping I need you to be awake with me and suffer (laughs) Um, but they got us moved up at like 3 30 or 4 in the morning up to our uh postpartum floor and uh so we kind of got settled there um and then I don't know if you want me to just kind of go over that little bit of postpartum time or yeah and then and then of course I'd love to hear how this compares to this most recent birth yeah um so postpartum in the hospital was tough. Um, I had a lot of like, even though now I don't look back on that birth as traumatic, like it's still a very sacred time to me. I still really remember a couple of praise and worship songs that were playing during it. Um, I remember how supported I felt by my doula and my husband and my mom and grandmother who were all there doing counter pressure and all those different things. But at the time, like I said, I'm very type A, like this is my plan. I just felt defeated because I had had the epidural and that wasn't what I wanted. And it was so long. Like I knew it was going to be long, but 39 hours was like, just kind of beat me down a little bit. Right. Um, 
And then my daughter had a really hard time latching. She ended up having a tongue and lip tie, but we didn't really get that identified until about six weeks. Um, so she didn't latch well. And in the hospital, they were, they were very stressed about that, which, and I don't know whether they should have been or not really. Um, but they pretty much immediately had me put on a nipple shield. They brought us in donor milk, which I appreciate it was not formula or anything, but they had us like take a syringe and fill the nipple shield with donor milk and then have her latch to the shield and then hook a syringe in her mouth while she was nursing and like push milk in to keep yeah. her nursing. It's just so, so it, many things. It's just so yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, it took a, it took all four hands. Like it took me and my husband both to feed my daughter. Mm. Um, and then they said, well, because she's not latching well, you need to pump every time she nurses 20 to 30 minutes, every time she nurses. Um, so it was just like, you never slept because she wanted to be attached for an hour to an hour and a half. And they said, leave her as long as she wants. And then when she falls off, take her off and pump. Mm. Um, so we did that. And then they were checking her jaundice levels and they said, they, they were kind of on the fence. And so they said, well, we're going to go ahead and keep you. We're going to check them again in the morning. You'll probably get to go home. So my head, okay, fine. We're going to go home tomorrow, which I think that was Tuesday at that point. And then they checked her again and they're like, oh no, they're too high. So then they put her on the, in the Billy bed, which is like mm. it lights and they cover her eyes and you can't pick her up. Um, and the only thing you can do is pick her up to nurse her and then put her back immediately. <sighs> and I mean, I was just a sobbing mess that whole time. I mean, it was just, it was just such a stressful time. I remember, and I, I couldn't sleep. I was so anxious. So, um, I remember sitting and like putting my finger in her little hand and singing to her and crying because I just wanted to go home with my baby. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I finally Wednesday afternoon, we'd had her Sunday night. We'd been in the hospital since like three o'clock Sunday morning. Um, Wednesday afternoon, we got to go home. Um, and then my daughter was just, she had a dairy protein allergy. So she, we had to cut dairy, soy and eggs, but we didn't know that. So she was super colicky. She cried like 20 hours a day. Um, I'm a little bit of an anxious person anyway, but I think I, I probably should have like had some help mm-hmm. with like, I was so anxious. Um, I remember like not being able to sleep because I needed to check her breathing. My husband came in to pick her up out of her bassinet just to take her to the living room because his family had come to see her and we had both finally been asleep. And I woke up to her being taken out of the room and just completely lost it, like mm-hmm. broke down because was taking my baby um it it was just hard like it was just hard it took a long time to get everything situated and calm down um so it was just that first time was not like a smooth like peaceful newborn face it was just hard um but we finally got past it and um I I 
between the pregnancies had some help with anxiety went through just some counseling and things and um that that was really helpful and I did some pelvic floor PT between the two pregnancies which was extremely helpful and I did it throughout the second pregnancy um so um I don't know if you want me to just kind of go over quickly his little um pregnancy yeah jump on in um so with my son kind of the same thing we were open but we weren't necessarily trying um but we just I think the women in my family just get pregnant really quickly (laughs) um so about 14 months after my daughter was born we were pregnant with my son so it was about Christmas of um this last year and I knew I wanted to try and do it at home um so the day I took the pregnancy test I told my doula and I asked her for recommendations for midwives um and she recommended Jamie who was my own midwife and so we went and interviewed her and I loved her because she was medical enough that I felt safe like she was she was not going to put my baby at risk to keep me at home like she was very like we're gonna make sure we check his heart rate but she was also not going to intervene if she didn't need to um so I I loved her and we went ahead and went with her um we had some like ups and downs just with family stuff in this pregnancy so I was a little more stressed I didn't eat as well I definitely wasn't as active um and then I was keeping up with a toddler but overall the pregnancy went pretty well um I had some like kind of funky lab values halfway through and we had to add some supplements. Um, but it, for the most part, it was pretty smooth. Um, and then with him, I was expecting that he was going to come early because my daughter came early. Like I came early and my brother, when my mom had my brother, she had him early and I always heard you labor like your mom. And so I was like, okay, well, he's probably going to come early. And I was huge with him. I'm a small person. I'm like five, three. And I think before, before my daughter's pregnancy, I might've just broke a hundred pounds. And before Mm -hmm. his, I was maybe at 109. I mean, I'm just a small person. Um, And I was just, I mean, I was, I think 152 or something. I was just, I was just huge. It was all in front. um, And I was just tired. And everybody had to make the comments of like, you're not going to make it to August. And he was due August 22nd. Um, so I was like, um, I have to make it to August or he'll be premature, but thanks. <laughs> like, that, that's a helpful comment. Um, but everybody had to make comments. And, um, so I was just expecting him to come early. Um, and I'd been doing all this pelvic floor work and all this stretching and all these things, all this internal work to make sure everything was smooth for him so 30 weeks came and went or 38 weeks came and went and he was not here and I was like okay any day now mm-hmm. like we're ready oh. and uh oh I hear you brother and so 39 weeks and then 40 and I was like oh my gosh what like what can I do to get this baby out of me like I I just had not prepared for that. So uh, there was like two and a half full weeks where I was like, what's going on? He should have been born by now. That's hard. Um, 
so I was doing all the squats and curb walking and like anything I could do that was not like really intervening um because Jamie my midwife she was like this is normal like this is a good thing you want him to stay in until his due date I'm glad he didn't come early Mm -hmm. and uh it's like well Jamie people are worried he's going to be too big and I won't be able to get him out and she's like no he's she checked she um like palpated his positioning and everything she's like no I think he's like seven and three quarter maybe eight pounds um and like don't worry this is this is the way it's supposed to be um and I also had started having contractions pretty like I had Braxton Hicks with my daughter but not like this Mm -hmm. these felt like real contractions and I that started early um like I want to say like maybe 35 36 weeks they started like if I'd get tired or things like that I'd started having them and I had a couple of little false alarms um where they had picked up and been consistent like five minutes apart um there was once it was at urgent care with my daughter she was sick and they picked up to be like every three minutes and they were strong and I was like I'm telling you this is labor like this this is it and I told Jamie and I told Brittany um our my midwife and our doula and they were both like okay go home eat take a bath and I don't think I I think they knew it was not labor um which but to me I was I was certain that it was definitely labor um so I went home and ate and got in the bath and everything stopped. And that happened a couple of times. And Brittany, Brittany called to check in on me and she said, don't hate the bath. Like it's okay. If it was really labor, it wouldn't have stopped. She was like, you're never going to want to get in the bath when I tell you again. <laughs> don't kill the messenger. <laughs> yeah. So um, we were at I think it was about 40 weeks and three days, which isn't that far over, but to me, it was just an eternity. Oh yeah. I mean, so far from 38 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So I started losing my mucus plug, which hadn't happened with my daughter. Um, so I texted them. I was like, Hey, I'm losing my mucus plug. Like maybe that's something. And Brittany was so reassuring. She's like, everything is doing something like all these contractions are making a difference. Um, you know, you know, your body is working. It's just not working as fast as you want it to, but it's, your body's doing something. Um, and Jamie would tell me that at my prenatals. Um, I had her check me once right at like 40 weeks and I think I was three centimeters. Um, and she said, super stretchy. So she's like, you're farther along than you were like so far in with your daughter. You're doing so great. Um, so they were just so reassuring and helpful. So I lost my mucus plug. And then the next day I kept losing, like I just kept having a lot of mucus and then there started to have some little blood streaks in it. Um, I think that was at like 40 and four, it was on Thursday. So I went home from work and we had dinner with my grandparents and played cards and um, they went home and we went to bed and about 1.30, um, I started waking up with contractions. And every time I'd wake up, I'd punch my husband and try to get him to wake up because I wanted him to have to suffer with me um, and he he's a hard sleeper and he would like make a noise and roll over and I was getting so frustrated and at like three o'clock in the morning finally I couldn't like I could not sleep through them anymore 
um, like I, I was trying to like lay there and rest in between um, and convince myself that this was just another false alarm. So finally I got up and I woke Jimmy up and I said, you need to call Brittany. Like this is something. So Brittany had me get in the bath and uh, everything kept going. And so they were like kind of picking up. I had Jimmy call everybody. Um, and he was out here. Like, I remember being frustrated that he wasn't right there with me, but he was out here like setting up the birth tub and putting our music on and turning the lights on for the midwives and putting our dogs out in the shop so that I wouldn't hear them bark and all of that. So I think everybody got there sometime between three and four. Um, Brittany got there first and then she, uh, within 10 minutes, I think our birth photographer got there and my Jamie got there. Um, so I, I was looking back at my, um, like a little birth chart that she had written out for me. So I guess everybody got there around four 30. Um, so it'd been about three hours. Uh, and Jamie checked me, um, at like five 30. Um, and I was seven and she said I was really stretchy and I had a bulging bag of water um, and our con my contractions were like two or three minutes apart um, so they we went from my bathtub to the birth pool um, and so we labored in the birth pool my mom and my grandmother had come over and they were helping me because it was really important for me to have that birth team again um, cause through that really hard labor, I had felt really loved and supported. And now I look back at that labor, like fondly, but, um, I, I just really wanted them all there. So, um, my grandmother never left my side. She did all the like hip squeezes and all of that. Um, and then I started getting the urge to push around six forty-five, and it kind of stayed by like seven. Um, and so we were pushing and I think um, around eight o'clock when nothing was happening, we went ahead and got out of the pool um, and we went to the toilet and then we went to the bed on the peanut ball. Um, and then sometime in there, Jamie checked me and I, I had a cervical lip. I was face like almost fully dilated, but I had an anterior lip again. No. <laughs> yeah just and no it was, it was the word like that word was the worst thing it made me so nervous that mm -hmm. that that was going to happen again and I wasn't going to be able to like get him out with, because I was at home without the epidural and what if I had to push and I couldn't push through it and like I was just that made me nervous um but they you know they were really reassuring that okay it's okay and I was much more alert and aware throughout this labor like I could very easily converse with them in between contractions. I still like, I could hear everything going on. I heard conversations. Um, and so like one time at one point when I was in the pool, they were like, well, I think we probably need to get out and get on the toilet. As soon as the contraction was over, I was like, that sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody started laughing. And I remember Jimmy saying something like, well, she's really with it. Um, Cause I, like they were talking, I think between her and Brittany maybe, or somebody, um, but I was much more present with everybody there. Um, so we just tried everything. We tried, like I said, the toilet and the peanut ball on both sides. 
Um, and we tried tug of war where like I laid on the bed and they had a rebozo and I like pulled up and all this time I'm trying to push because my body feels like it needs to push. And they said, you know, you know, go ahead, push. Let's see if we can get him past this little lip. So we, we did the tug of war with the rebozo and just, uh, it just wasn't progressing. Um, like that lip was just staying there. Um, and we did, while we did that tug of war, Jamie held back my cervical lip, which was not a fun thing. Um, it was really hard. Uh, it was, it was really painful, really. I mean, I try, I tried my whole like pregnancy to prep myself for like, we're not going to think of it as pain. It's intensity. No, it was, it was painful. That was painful. Um, but it was just like, it was just not moving. And at one of those checks, she checked his position and he was like occiput transverse. So he was like looking into my hip. Mm-hmm. Um, so we tried all these things to move his position, all those different things. And then, um, then we tried abdominal lifts. So we like, they had my husband put his back against the wall and then stand uh, me lean my back against him and Jamie was on her knees in front of me. And between the two of them, every time I had a contraction, they lift in my belly and like pushed in. And while I did, while they did that, I was supposed to try and squat um, or like, like get into a, like a light squat, not like a deep squat, but I was supposed to like, like let my body go, like hang down and all this pressure on my stomach. And oh my end, that was really, that was really hard. Like it. And I think it was really hard for my husband um, because like he felt like he was causing me pain um, because it was so much more intense. And so we did, we did that. I don't even know how long. Um, I mean, I don't think it was a long time, but we, we did that for multiple contractions. Um, And then Jamie kind of, not got serious like she was worried because his heart rate was fine and everything but it was just it had been a long time it was like 10 in the morning and I had been basically complete with just a cervical lip um since like 7 30 or so um so um she said okay well we can keep trying these different positions um I can try and break your water you know, she gave me all these different options. And this was something that I felt was so different with Jamie than in the hospital, even with my midwives in the hospital, it was very like, your water has been broken this long. We are doing something. We're going to do this like Foley bulb. It wasn't, wasn't as bad as I've heard some things, but it was definitely still a provider talking to a patient where with Jamie, everything everything she did, even just checking me, even checking his heart rate during a contraction or whatever was still my choice. It was like, here are your, here's our options. And she would tell me, you know, okay. She didn't really tell me with my water, what she thought was best, but she would tell me every now and like, okay, I think this would be helpful to try, but here are options. Um, and so I was like, just break my water. Cause I'd heard people say when your water breaks, everything goes faster. 
And with Lila, my water broke in the beginning. So I was like, maybe he's just not putting pressure, just break my water. Um, so at 10 o'clock, she broke my water. Um, and we got back on the peanut ball. Um, and they gave me like 10 minutes later, they gave me rescue remedy. Um, because it was just, it was just, I was in so much pain, really. Um, I just was having a hard time dealing with it. And I was afraid I was going to have to transfer. Like, I remember asking Jamie, um, and she was very like certain and calm. When I said, Jamie, am I, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have to transfer. Am I going to have to transfer? And she said, no, we're going to do these contractions this many on each side. We're going to get back in the pool and we're going to have a baby. Like Mm. this is the way it's going to be. And it was so reassuring to me to be, to have her like, just calm and steady and like, no, you're doing fine. We're going to get through these hard things and we're going to get in the water and you're going to have your baby and it'll be fine. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Uh, And yeah, I mean, and she was just so great. I mean, her and the assistant and everybody on my team, my doula was like irreplaceable. Um, and they were just so reassuring. So we did the peanut ball, I think like five contractions on each side or something like that and got back in the water at 10 30. Um, and I had a lot more bloody show in the water, but we still were not moving. Like we still nothing, they could, we couldn't see his head. Like I tried a few times to reach in and feel, and maybe at the tip of my fingertip, I could feel something hard. And I was like, well, I do feel something hard, but it's up there and she said if you feel something hard that's his head like she said there's nothing else hard in there (laughs) so that's his head so we got back out of the water at 11 30 and jamie said okay we can keep trying these things or it's going to be really hard but i can push his lip your lip over the top of his head and i said just do it like i just want to get i just want to get him out just do it So I don't even remember. I mean, I think I was on my back, um, maybe holding my legs up. I don't remember if she had me, I think she had me push through contractions, but she went in and just physically pushed that lip back over his head. Um, and she told me after the fact, like that it was extremely hard to push that lip over, um, Mm -hmm. like that she had to push really hard that it wasn't just moving out of the way like it typically would, especially for a second time mom. Um, and he was at some point in all of this, he was asynclitic as well. Um, (laughs) So I think he had shifted from, cause I asked Jamie this morning before we started, I said he was transverse at some point. Right. And not transverse, but occiput transverse. Um, and she said, yes. And then he was asynclitic. So I think maybe when my water broke, same thing, he, he went asynclitic or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she pushed that lip over his head while I pushed, we got back in the water. Um, and so we'll probably, I, I'm looking at my doulas timeline. Um, and she said, we had gotten out at like 1136. She pushed it out of the way. And we got back in. Um, and he was fully crowning by 1149. So pretty quickly after we got that lip out of the way, he was coming down. 
Wow. Um, and he was born at 11:53, and I was like in the water on my knees with my arms up on the birth pool. So I don't know. Somebody pushed him under me. My grandmother and husband say he just swam like a fish between my oh. legs. <laughs> um, and you know, everybody was shouting and my grandmother on our birth video, you can hear her, get your baby, get your baby. Um, and I picked him up and pulled him out and leaned back and he was ginormous. He was the biggest baby. Um, like in my birth picture, his head is on like over one side of my shoulder and his legs are wrapping around the other side of my body. Oh my word. Like he's just huge. How much did he Uh, weigh? So he weighed nine pounds, 10 ounces and he was 23 inches long (laughs) and he he had a three. Yeah. He, he set our midwife's record for Janie said that was the longest baby she'd ever delivered. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. He was a big man. And she was like, man, you hide a baby. Well, cause she said, I am never, she said, she's usually off by maybe a couple ounces, Mm -hmm. but she had estimated, you know, seven and three quarter, maybe eight pounds. Mm -hmm. And he was, I mean, nine and a half pounds. Wow. Um, And he had a 14 centimeter head and a 14 centimeter chest. Uh, And I did not mention it actually. So he had a full crown at 1149. Um, and then his shoulders got stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, after the fact, Jamie told me in the hospital, he would have been considered a shoulder dystocia. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a full two minutes that his head was born before I, and like contractions stopped. Um, and I heard them counting behind me and I knew that's what was going on because I'd listened to enough podcasts. <laughs> I'm a very big, like over researcher. So between my first and second pregnancies, I researched everything about birth and home birth and all the things. And I remember, and I think it was your birth story where you talked about like feeling like you had to do that maneuver, even though maybe your daughter really didn't have a shoulder dystocia. Yep. But like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was thinking about that um, when I heard them counting. I was like, all right, I'm fixing to have to move positions. Like we're fixing to have to do something. Um, and right. Jamie told me after the fact, right about the time she was going to say, I need you to push even without the contraction, I got a contraction and he pushed out. Um, I don't, I don't think that she had to help his shoulder out. I think we finally got a contraction and we got him out Mm. without her need to help him. Um, but we did, she said, well, I didn't write it as a shoulder dystocia. I just wrote it as a, like a little bit of a sticky shoulder, but like, I'm not going to document a dystocia. Right. Um, but she said in the hospital, that's what they would have considered it. Um, and there would have been a lot more panic around it. Right. You know, I may have had an episiotomy or they would have pulled him out or, you know, reached in and pulled him out. Mm. Now, but he didn't see it. In, in relation to that, what because I know you talked about you, they didn't count the stitches at the first time. So with this larger baby, what, what happened? Um, yeah. So she checked me after we, we'd waited in the pool for a while. My daughter came in and got to see her, um, new baby brother while we were still in the water. She cared more about the water than anything. <laughs> um, my husband had to like, no, that's gross. Keep her out of that water. Um, but then when we got out and, uh, once the placenta was born and 
Lila and my husband, so my daughter, my husband cut the cord. We got out and she checked me and I was certain that I had torn. Like I was like, Jamie, how bad is it? Because I felt like he was breaking me in half. Um, and she checked me and she said, well, there's a tiny little tear. I can give you a stitch or two if you want, but I don't think it needs it. Wow. And so I was like, nope, if you don't need to stitch, let's not stitch. Uh, and my doula said like, just sit like a lady for a few days, like keep your legs together and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So, I mean, I had this big old boy and, and a shoulder dystocia Mm -hmm. and asynclitic big head. And we didn't tear enough to need anything. What an Um, amazing difference. Yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah. I mean, and I really, I attribute some of it to the pelvic floor PT that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, she's my colleague and she worked really hard to do a lot of stretching and things. And she told me, you are not going to tear. Like we're going to work. You're not going to tear. Um, and then also to like Jamie and all my whole team, you know, Brittany, my doula, who was giving all the suggestions on positions and, and our midwife assistant and everybody that just kind of let my body do what it needed to and helped me when we needed it. But, you know, it definitely was not intervention free because we, I needed her to break my water or to push that lip out of the way, but we only did what we needed to do. And, and they let my body do the rest and it was never panicked or even nervous. Like, I think once or twice, my husband said he felt like, like Jamie was a little bit like, not nervous, but just a little bit more serious, Mm -hmm. but it was never, it was never an emergency. Mm. It was never. And, you know, they monitored his heart rate and things, but, um, there was never any fear around it. Even I think once he might've had a, um, like a D cell just because I heard, I, I was a lot more present with this one. So I'd hear every time they monitored and she would read off the heart rate to the assistant midwife and one time I heard her say something about like 90 returning back to 110 and I don't even know if that counted as like because every time I asked her I was like is that okay she said he's totally fine (laughs) fine yeah um so I mean it was just it was just a night and day difference and I I didn't have a bad labor with my first um but man it was just it was so much more peaceful and after that we yeah after it was over I got in my own bed and my doula like while I was still in the birth pool my doula went out to the kitchen and got me a Dr. Pepper because that's my (laughs) like kryptonite and eggs and donut like a donut because my family had brought donuts over um so those are lovely pictures I mean I think they're funny pictures but a a Dr. Pepper and a donut (laughs) in the birth pool and she brought fruit and like cut it up and like fed me while I nursed my son and in, in bed with my husband and my daughter and our family around. And, um, they cleaned everything up. They started an herbal bath. Um, but my heart rate was a little high. And like, when they got me up to go to the bathroom, I got lightheaded and lost like a big clot. Um, and which, for anybody that's afraid of a mess like I lost a big clot on our carpet there's not even a spot like Mm -hmm. they had that up and cleaned so quickly 
there's not even a stain. And our, my assistant midwife was so upset with herself. She's like, I'm a better than that. I never let things hit the carpet. Uh, but I mean, you can't even see. Like, Hydrogen peroxide. So yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, that's amazing. Yeah. It's so cool to hear, you know, you both of your births were intense. You know, they were both yeah. not like, oh, this is so gentle and relaxing. But the level of care that you received, um, just the, the intimacy and yeah, the comfort that comes with that. Uh, it's just, it's so incredible. And, um, you know, as we, as we wrap up, Kaylin, I'd love to hear, you know, what's this postpartum you've got, you're a month in, how has this one been for you? It's really been a complete difference. Now, I mean, my son, he did have a tongue and lip tie and Jamie identified that immediately. Like she told me when she did his newborn exam, like, he does have a tongue and lip tie. His lip tie is pretty significant. I would probably get it checked out and like revised. Um, so we did that on like day four, but um, to just be in my own bed, to not have him like poked and prodded and checked and me poked and prodded. And I mean, it was just so peaceful. And I think it set me up to not have so much anxiety. And I'm not going to say I haven't had any because I've had some. My midwife has given me some different herbal things to add into my supplements to help. Um, but I, it's not that like just crippling right. anxiety like I had with my daughter. Um, oh, that's amazing to hear. Yeah. I mean, it's just so much more peaceful. And I always heard that transition from one to two is going to be so hard. And I really don't think that it it has been, hmm. I mean, there have been some hard times, like we were all sick and that was stressful. Um, but like Jamie is there by text. She came and did our 48 hour or 24 hour visit back at our house. And then, um, she and my doula are always there if I need to text them and ask them questions or anything. Um, like any little thing I can text Jamie and just say like, Hey, does his cord look normal? Is this okay? Um, and it's just been so much more peaceful of a transition. Mm. Um, and I really think a lot of that was that birth. Like I immediately felt empowered by that birth where it took me a while to come back around to Lila's birth to feel like it was still something that I could be like proud of. I did it. It was really hard um, and be happy about that time his birth as, I mean, his birth was harder than my daughter's physically. Right. It, it was more intense. It was cause I, I was basically pushing for five hours. Like I wasn't in the pushing phase because I had that lip, but it was more painful than my daughter's, mm. but I don't feel like that was a bad thing. Like I don't look back at that as a bad thing thing during labor. Like I did, I said, like, I'm never doing this again, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I would, I think by my 24 hour visit, I told Jamie like, okay, when we have another baby, <laughs> it'll be easier Love than that. that. Right. Like, oh. yeah. Oh, Caitlin, that is so amazing. I am, I'm so grateful that you were able to share this with us. The, the differences in your experiences, I know that it's going to just resonate so deeply with so many mothers. So I just, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. What a wonderful journey Caitlin shared with us. 
As we head into this week's episode roundup, I really want to expound upon the opening question. What has more of an impact? The exact details of your labor or the way you feel you were treated throughout? As I've said many times before, we cannot control the outcomes of our birth, though we can prepare and set the odds in our favor for a smooth, uncomplicated labor that can never be promised. However, part of preparation is choosing a team that you trust and who knows you, who understands you, and supports you at the deepest level. Caitlin's second birth was difficult, yes, but she knew that she had options. She was the choice maker on her team, and she was surrounded by people who loved her, trusted her, and respected her wishes. And that makes all the difference. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next year. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.